the All Souls Witchy Women Podcast, Episode 6, The S-Word. Welcome to All Souls Witchy Women, a fan and definitely non-official podcast where we talk all things All Souls. We're three women who met over Outlander and then jumped into the All Souls world like the time-traveling witches we wish we were. Sin plays a powerful role in our perception of the world around us. It transports us to different times and places. It stimulates our salivary glands and makes our mouths water. Scent warns us that danger is near. And Scent abounds in the All Souls trilogy. And we want to take the next few minutes to break down this odiferous theme. I get bonus points for that word. I'm Nikki, and with me as always are my witchy friends Janet and Ashley. And we're hoping that you hang out with us for a bit as we discuss Scent, the S word. Janet is going to start us off tonight with a segment that I'm going to call She Blinded Us with Science. <laughs> Perfect. Yes. You're, you're singing it right now in your head, I, aren't you? I am. I am right yeah. now. Anyway, mm-hmm. well, so I was doing some other work and that wasn't related to this, but I came across some inf- interesting facts about scent, which I had no, I had no idea about. So I think it's important to sort of think about some of these things because I think it's relevant to what we're going to talk about. So here you go for the science factoids. Our sense of smell is the only sense that has a direct connection to the brain, which I think is fascinating. Um, mm-hmm. We can detect one trillion distinct scents, and our scent cells are renewed every 30 days or so, which basically gives us a new nose every month. Um, our sense of sa- smell is the first sense to develop. It's also our most sensitive sense. We can remember smells with 65% accuracy after a year, while our visual recall is only about 50% after three months. <laughs> and of all of our senses, smell is our emotional barometer. 75% of our emotions are triggered by smell. We can smell others' fear and disgust through sweat and then feel those emotions ourselves. And we're not even vampires. So. <laughs> or are we? Or are we? <laughs> I do love my wine. <laughs> so, well, there's there's that, right? Oh, I I like the idea that we can grow a new sense of smell every month. That you basically grow a new nose. That's fascinating to me. Like I'm a lizard, or or any sort of animal that re, <clears throat> that uh, regrows its own body parts. That's incredible. Yeah, and yet every month I still love bacon. It's yeah. true. And the smell of it. It's the constant. It's the thing that's used yes. as the control setting. You know, there has to be something so that you can know what's new and what's not. Bacon is the constant. Right. Yeah. I think it's the bacon meter, which everybody has, including me, who's a vegetarian, except for bacon. <laughs> um, that's my favorite kind of vegetarian. Yeah, I know. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Please order the bacon so I can have a piece. Um, yeah. Well, you know, this thing about a new nose every, every month and stuff, I used to use that with taste with my kids when they would say they didn't like anything. And I would say, yeah, but your taste buds change every 24 hours. So now you might like it. And it, it never worked. So, oh, I do think that even though we, plus think of it too, if we can detect a trillion distinct scents, dogs and other animals smell much better than we smell much more accurately and better than we do. So how much can they smell? Oh, I can't even imagine. Right? I mean, it must, how do they go through the world? I, yeah. Which shows you sort of too, like, I think the whole vampire thing with, I don't, you know, they must be on like sensory smell overload 
all the time. Yes. Oh, actually, uh, yes. I just, I just had a recall, but it was of, it was of the premiere episode of a Discovery Witches. So we can't really talk about it. No, but, we can't. Oh. Can we just oh. can we just have a moment about that? Because this yes. is the first time that we are all grouping together. So we'll yeah. just do it. Do it. Yeah. Quick postmortem. We gathered together with all of our creature pals at the All Souls Con in Philadelphia, and oh my God, we retreated to the world premiere of the first episode of A Discovery of Witches, and it blew away all expectations. Yeah. And that's not even just from a biased crowd, which we are obviously. But it was as soon as it came up, it was like, oh, this is going to be good. And yeah. I'm not even going to have trouble campaigning others to watch it who aren't familiar with the books. Like, this is going to be a super easy sell. It is that good. Yeah. I have goosebumps right now with just you talking about it. Yeah. I haven't been able to talk about it to anybody without, like, tearing up about how just wonderful the whole thing was. So, I mean, I kind of do that anyway, but. Yeah. So go Sky One, go Bad Wolf TV, and get excited, everybody in the world. Yes, because it's yes. Gonna, it's it's amazing. And and also thank you to the fine people at Sundance who are going to make it possible for those of us in the United States to also view this British set TV show, which is also makes it more appealing for me. I don't know. There was something about it. You were just like, oh, I can smell like the British quality in the air of this show (laughs) yes yes i know just something altogether better about it and and they're saying they're working on seasons two and three so it sounds like they're committed to doing the whole series Mm. yes do you smell that people do you smell that it's the next five years of our life it's gonna be wonderful pretty much yeah (laughs) and as ashley said sundance now and Shudder are carrying this as streaming in early 2019. That's all we know so far. And you're going to be able to binge um, it. They're going to drop yes. drop it all at once. So that's exciting, too. Because basically, I that'll be my day of watching. Right? Eight that, hours, right? That and bacon, and we're set. Uh, right. Yeah, maybe we have to get together to have a binge watch anyway. I, I'm, I'm sensing vacation day. My, my witchy senses are telling me that there's a vacation day coming up in early January 2019. Do you think my boss would go for that? I, I need a vacation day in early 2019. I don't have the date yet, but, you know. I'm putting you on alert now. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Works for me. Yeah. I think we're we're mostly going to stay in the discovery of witches here. We didn't do a spoiler warning this time, but I I I, th- I think we're firmly ensconced in a discovery of witches this time around. But you know, Ashley had pointed out, and Ashley, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick on you again. But you had you had pointed out um, that one of the things that stuck out for you was Diana remembering how her parents smelled as as a child. Yeah, that first chapter is one that I love to go back and read. I mean, I love to go back and read them all, to be honest, obviously. Mm, yeah. But as she is sort of laying the groundwork to for to talk about her childhood and missing her parents and how they weren't, you know, in her life past a certain point, but bringing up all these vivid memories. And a lot of them were tied to smell. And I just thought that was so powerful because... You will probably be able to walk yourself through your home as a child, right? And you'll be able to think about some things you saw or some things you felt, like physically felt, 
also emotionally felt. But to be able to like remember someone by a sense of smell to me is so, I, I just, it, it, it connects to me at a level that when I was reading this, I was like, mm. and maybe that's because, you know, Janet, you mentioned your mom. Maybe that's because the strong relationships, family members, friends, spouse that I have, I can immediately, the thing I go to is what they smell like. And so mm-hmm. when she was talking about, you know, that her mom, that she could always smell her mom's Lily of the Valley perfume. And um, I actually think it was further in the book where she talked about that she could smell her dad's study. Like not necessarily talking about him specifically, but what made him him and the fact, you know, mm-hmm. his office smelled that like he'd been smoking and that it smelled like a pencil sharpener and what that smells like when the shavings are emptied from it. And you just pictured like this scholarly mm-hmm. man that was just in there always working and smoking a pipe or a cigarette. And but, you know, and I'm picturing the blazer with the, the padded elbows. I'm picturing the whole thing. You can almost, for things that she did not describe there being smells to, the way that she described the memory brought up its own smells that went with it. Like they were talking about, you know, that she would go to bed and they would have these date nights where you could hear the wine glass clinking. She could hear it from her bedroom that they were having dinner long after she went to bed. And she didn't describe the smell of that. But for me, just bringing up the whole memory then allows you to fill in the blanks of what you could imagine that would smell like for her, you know, or mm-hmm. for them in that moment. And so, yeah, as she's setting up her memories of them and we only know them th- through her, through how they know her and through obviously through Em and Sarah. But I love that she set it up with such a strong sense of smell for how she remembered them. That's a really good point, Ashley, that we only know them through her memories of them. That's really cool. Yeah, she gets yeah. to shape it for us. I mean, we can interpret it, right? But it's her mm-hmm. story to tell about them because they're not here to tell it for for themselves. Mm-hmm. So we get to see it through her eyes and through her nose and through the things that she heard. And so, you know, as particular to this episode, I was like, oh, that was the first place my head went was like, she remembered her parents by how they smelled. I, will I be able to do that? I hope mm-hmm. so, because I can think very strongly of how my own parents smell. I can think about like the smells in our home growing up and then now how they've changed as I'm around my parents now. Like I have an aunt and uncle that I'm super close to that their smell is the first thing I get right up in there and nuzzle in them. (laughs) Even as a grown ass woman, I'm like, come here, let me smell you. Oh my God, it smells like Uh you. It's uniquely you. It's your scent. It is your essence. And long after you leave this house, we continue to smell it. And long after you leave this earth and I will miss you, I will smell it in my brain. And so when she talks about being able to still remember how they smell, that that struck home with me. That That's so funny because Caitlin and I um, have had this discussion about my mother. Caitlin is my daughter and how we don't know where the smell comes from because like she, she doesn't wear a perfume and I don't think she wears scented lotion, but we know what she smells like. And, and when she's been here for a visit and she leaves, the house still smells like her and we just don't know where it comes from. And we've just decided it's the Nana smell. And like you said, Ashley, whenever, whenever we're close, I I want to hug her and like you said, nuzzle up on her and just inhale deeply. (laughs) Inhale deeply. The Nana smell. I like that. Mm -hmm. Well, since I'm called Nana, I think we officially have to get Maxine to adopt it too. Yes. Absolutely. She's forming her own memories of how you smell. Uh, I'd be curious to ask her, like, do I have a smell? Like, if, you know, your daughter asked her, does Nana have a smell? 
Right. I'm kind of curious, you know, like there's a thing like she excitedly hugs you and nuzzles in and then you leave. And I'm sure that that scent is still there. Like, I'm curious how they would describe it in their little kid voices and their words. Although I met her. She's yes. amazing. <laughs> and her words surpass mine. So I'm not sure I would call them kid words, but I'd still be curious what her eight year old brain translates it to. Well, I'll ask her. I'll let you know. Perfect. Yes. Yeah. Report back. I will. Always doing research here at All Souls Witchy Women. Research that's right. all the time. Yep, that's us. <laughs> Jen, I think you had brought up something about um, Matthew and Diana smelling the wine. Yes. And, like and his chocolate recollection. Yes. Well, I just thought this was so beautifully written, but also... Um, so this is when they're having dinner together, which was seriously like one of the sexiest dinners ever. Um, I, I know, I know. Right. You know, when <laughs> Deb calls it slow burn, no kidding. Uh, he's, he's got this old wine that he's got out and he says, you know, I, you, she says, you can smell the fields in this. I stuck my nose in the glass, relieved that the odor of horse manure was no longer there. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. But <laughs> yes. sometimes I believe I can smell everything I've ever smelled. It's probably vanity, he said ruefully, but scents bring back powerful memories. I remember the first time I smelled chocolate as if it were yesterday. Um, and then he goes on to sort of describe this. It was 1615, so it wasn't mm. exactly yesterday. Um, war hadn't broken out yet, and the French king had uh, married a Spanish princess that no one liked, especially not the king. When I smiled, he smiled back though his eyes were fixed on some distant image. She brought chocolate to Paris. It was bitter as sin and as decadent, too. We drank the cacao straight, mixed with water and no sugar. Um, Ooh. Anyway, which is how they used to drink it. But anyway, the point is that, you know, that, that idea that he can, you know, re remember everything I've ever smelled. I just think that's an amazing concept. So anyway. So I don't have these books on audio, but this was so hard for me because I wanted to close my eyes and drink in this scene. Yeah. It, but I couldn't because I had to read the words. And <laughs> it was just, like you said, it was so beautifully written and, and so um, sensual. Yes. And I will tell you, because I have been re-listening to A Discovery of Witches, having seen the first episode and... I've just got a whole visual going on now because I picture Matthew Good and Teresa Palmer. <laughs> just, yeah, it's good. <laughs> it's good. That's a great idea, Janet, because I do have the audio version. And when I was doing a re-listen, a re it's a first listen, but a, a, a re-digestion of the same book. I was commuting and sort of could have, it could have looked like something on my face. But when I was started listening to that, I can only imagine what fellow drivers stuck in traffic with me because I was like having all the moments, all the audible moments you all are having, I'm having, but it's stuck inside a car. And I can only imagine what other, because I was like, oh my God, yes. Oh, more. Wait, skip backwards. Wait, say it again. Oh, right. because it plays out so well in the audio version yeah. for the reason you just said, Nikki, which is. You can actually not pay attention to anything, but like to visual. I didn't close my eyes while driving, by the way, but you Good, can just you. go there and visualize and not have to like read the words on page and it does something altogether different. Yeah. True. Okay. Score one for audiobooks. Yeah. So I, I, I love that all of these topics that we want to cover 
cover kind of dovetail nicely with each other because I want to move on to um, pleasure and scent, which I also, for me, also mean food and happiness. <laughs> <laughs> Let's pause there and think about that for a moment. Yeah, go on. I Agree. give you bacon. <laughs> Agree. Yes. I bacon, food, bacon. and happiness. <laughs> All in one. The next so, of life. That's right. And so this actually, you know, kind of touches on something that we always, uh, that we also, that we've already talked about. But um, one of the things that I picked up on was when Diana said, the smell of the library always lifted my spirits. The peculiar combination of old stone, dust, woodworm, and paper made properly from rags. Mm-hmm. And I, you, you, you too love books as well. Yeah. And this this line just like hit me hard because how many times have you ever picked up a book and opened it and smelled it? Be honest. Oh yeah. Is it just me? Oh no, currently, totally, absolutely. Well, you know, and and um, Deb talked about that when in um, that talk at All Souls Con where she talked about you know are you what you read and when she was handed the book um, by her aunt uh, that belonged to her mother as a child. And, you know, she said it smelled like toffee and she stuck her nose in it and sniffed it. And she was mm-hmm. immediately sort of transported to a, a closer connection with her mother than she had felt before and or understood her in a way that was just kind of seminal without words almost. Yeah, this just cut to my heart because I, I tell you, I've got I used to collect old books. I don't so much anymore, but um and I've been given a lot of old books from family members. And I have, my, my great-grandfather was um, a school teacher. And I have one of the primers that he used in his class. Oh, wow. And the copy the copyright date on it is um, 18, it's 1860, I think, is the copyright date. And every time I'm rearranging books on my bookshelf, I will get this book out and I will just open it and smell it because... It takes me back. It, it reminds me of him. First of all, I only knew him as an old man. He was 106, so he was always old to me. Um, but it takes me back to a time when I can almost imagine him being young, and I wonder what it was like for him being in a schoolhouse. And you know, did was he teaching five kids or ten kids? And um, you know, in the back of the book, there's. Um, <laughs> there's illustrations of common modes of transportation. There are no cars. There, there are different kinds of carriages. Interesting. Wow. <laughs> and you know, I just, I, I think back to that time when, when you know, that's all kids knew. They knew horses and they knew carriages, and you know, they were learning out of this primer. What else were they learning? Probably not a lot, because probably they went to school for a couple hours and then went back to the farm. That that hits me because um, I also pulled out this the quote that you read brain twin i was like oh yep yep that's one i highlighted too because i have that same feeling about the smell of the library except that you're right it's particular to books and here's why because you know we live in a fairly newer society given the context of the rest of the world right and so the library that I grew up in, we used to have a bookmobile that traveled around. Oh, girl, the bookmobile. The, oh, the bookmobile pulled right into that parking lot. You climb the stairs, like turn to the side, slide, slide by, pick a couple books, check out the front, right? And then mm-hmm. they built the new library. And it was a big deal because we could finally go into a physical building and get books. But it didn't have the smell that you're thinking of, right? So mm-hmm. for me... 
what you just described is like it's not always a library for me. It's about the book or the history of the building mm-hmm. itself. Because when I finally went to, you know, college or more so in like traveled to Europe or to older cities in the United States and you go in more historic buildings and you smell that smell that comes from age and history and the books that are in it. And then you're transported to that place because I never had that walking into our county library. I almost had it more walking into the bookmobile. Um, But when you actually get your hands on a book that has some history to it, or even, I, I mean, I've, I will, I will, I will tease out a moment. I will talk soon about a book I have in front of me. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you all about. There is a smell to new pages in a book, right? It's very particular. Then you get a little bit of age on them, and they start to tell a story. And so the idea that you're smelling your grandfather's primer and it is telling you the story of what his life was like as he's reading that mm-hmm. is exactly what that book is supposed to do. It doesn't mm-hmm. even matter about the words on the page. You know, it's telling a story that has nothing to do with the words. Yeah. You know, one of the things that um, I've come to appreciate in sort of studying these books and thinking about this sentence um, smell um, is sort of how much it's made me appreciate smells beyond sort of the obvious. So, for example, that whole, you know, dinner in All Souls College where they're like going back and forth on smelling the wine and talking about, you know, mm-hmm. what do you smell like and all that stuff. Um, I just want to talk a little bit about this because I think it shows the point. Um, so he's sort of saying they pick up their glasses and he's she says um, uh, she smells violets. And my first taste was like drinking velvet. Then there was milk, chocolate, cherries, and a flood of flavors that made no sense and brought back memories of the long ago smell of my father's study after he'd been smoking and of emptying the shavings. This is your part, <laughs> Ashley, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and the very last thing I noted was a spicy taste that reminded me of Matthew. This tastes like you, mm. I said. How so, he asked. Spicy, I said, flushing suddenly from my cheeks to my hairline. Just spicy? No, I first I thought it would taste like flowers, violets, because that's how it smelled. But then I tasted all kinds of things. What do you taste? And then she said, this is going to be more interesting and less embarrassing, potentially. He said, violets, I agree with you there. Those purple violets <clears throat> covered with sugar. Elizabeth Tudor loved candy violets, and they ruined her teeth. He sipped again. Cigar, cigar smoke from good cigars, like they used to have at the Marlboro Club when the Prince of Wales stopped in. Blackberries picked wild in the hedgerows outside the old lodge's stables and red currants macerated in brandy. Watching a vampire use his sensory powers had to be one of the most surreal experiences anyone could have. It was not just that Matthew could see and hear things that I could not. It was that when he did sense something, the perception was so acute and precise. It wasn't any blackberry. It was a particular blackberry from a particular place on a particular or a particular time. And that's just made me sort of think more about trying to pinpoint my thinking about something, you know, like Mm -hmm. if I, if strawberry and just sort of take a, we, I think we, I think we often in this time just sort of take the first thing that comes to mind and say, Oh, it's was like a strawberry, but I'd like to step back for a minute and sort of say, all right, but what kind of strawberry, like a wild strawberry or, you know, when we were hiking in the Adirondacks and we found them, you know, on the path, or was it like a strawberry when we picked them at the farmer's market, you know, because I do think that nuance is really special. And I had a new appreciation for trying to think a little bit more like that based on having been thinking about this concept. Mm-hmm. 
I like that. And here's, I'm going to put like a slight spin on it, which is when um, my husband will say like, oh, it smells like you. And then I'll say, which me? Like the now me, the, you know, the when you met me, me, Um, the the like 30 year old Mm -hmm. me, because, you know, my preferences have changed over the years, behaviors, that sort of thing. So I am sort of curious when you conjure up a smell of me, is it a current smell of me? And then I will still have like, some scent that I wore when we first met that I'll like spritz on on occasion and he'll be like oh my god it's like it's vintage Ashley (laughs) and I'm like yeah I'm like yeah oh you remember like when I used to wear the ginger essence perfume like yes that's it and and then you know like now he's like so conditioned to like you smell like essential oils I was just gonna say essential oils (laughs) Ashley (laughs) yeah he's like so now you just smell like oils all the time and I can gauge what mood you're in by what oil you smell like and I was like good this is good Hmm. I think that's that's helpful for you too well that's an early warning system right there I think I think it's like my own personal defcon so Mm -hmm. um but yeah, so I, I, I kind of do that where I go, something smells like it and I go to an like an era of it. Is it the current way or the way that you used to know or the way that's in the middle? Because it all, again, is like a progressive, I don't know, scent journey. Yeah. Ooh, scent journey. Nice. Like it. Good. Like it a lot. So since Janet talked a little bit about the wine and Ashley referenced a book, that she wants to tell us about. Tell us. Oh, tell us about it. I this thought you'd never ask. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful book. Oh, it is magical. I um, And we've recently had the extreme pleasure of uncorking it, thanks to our friends Ooh. at Avery Books. It's called Wine Foley, a magnum edition, The Master Guide. Oh my God, you guys, praise be to all wine-loving creatures, this book. It is gorgeous. Let's just start there. It's insanely gorgeous. It is one of the denser, heavier books that I've ever held about (laughs) wine, but just gorgeous, right? So I I got it, and I sort of opened the cover thinking it was going to be a lot of words. I want to talk to you about what this (laughs) book is that I think adults are lacking. Picture books. It's incredible. If I thought that the world had enough infographics, I was wrong. They just were the wrong type. These are the infographics we need. (laughs) It is chock full of insightful wine knowledge for all levels of wino, whether that be like the occasional novice drinker who just wants to know if there's cheese involved with the wine to, you know, the wine enthusiasts like our our personal sommelier, Bayard, who also asks whether there's cheese to be had, but he has more knowledge to go with it. And this, um, this book meets, I think, all of those needs. It, you know, gives you the ability to tell you about the notes in the wine and what pairs with it, the basics of it, how to smell it, how to taste it, food and wine pairings, you know, what type of grapes make up which wines, the wines that you would find in each of the unique wine regions throughout the world. It's so gorgeous. It is so colorful. It's like eye candy to even look at it but it's also helpful like i i will tell you that our sommelier Bayard picked it up and he's seen some literature in his life right in his in his wine dealing life and he was like this book is insane and i and i saw it on his nightstand and i said don't you take that (laughs) that is is ours to be had and do things with but um i did want to let you know since you brought up bacon that i did figure out from this glorious book that bacon pairs well 
with sparkling wine, um, aromatic white wine, and rosé, in case you were wondering how to pair bacon with wine. There you go. Really? This has a handy food picture guide to which wines to pair it with. And um, I, yeah, so I just wanted to brag on it because the, the lovely people at Avery Books shared an advanced copy with us. It comes out September 25th, but you can pre-order it now. And I, as I was sharing with you all earlier, it makes a fantastic gift. Um, and we'll be including some images of it of, in our wine note blog post that we do for this episode. But in the meantime, I just wanted to uh, do a little glass cheers to Madeline Puckett and uh, Justin Hammock, who are the brilliant people who collaborated on this gorgeous book, and to our friends at Avery Books, who shared this magical thing with us. Because they know Yay! how much creatures love their wine, and they yes. get it. So they were like, people, you are in the all-souls world, and you love wine as much as we do. You must see this book. And I agree. So you can see it also at winefolly.com. Ta-da! Ta-da! There you go. Also, now that I know that bacon plans with sparkling white wine and rosé, I have my weekend planned. So um, that's good. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> So now uh, Bayard should talk to us a little bit about, what is he going to talk to us about? He's going to talk to us about smelling wine. We did. We changed it up this time. He's going to talk to us about smelling wine. We know how to taste wine. We're pretty good at that. But he's going to talk to us about how you go about smelling wine and pulling out the notes as artfully as, maybe not as artfully as Matthew, but we can try. All right, then Bayard, take it away. Hey, everybody. This week, we're talking about smelling wine. Yes, smelling, not necessarily tasting. If you were out at a restaurant and you see people putting their noses in a glass of wine and you kind of chuckle and laugh and maybe point at them, that's a real deal. If you were to ever be out with some friends and order a bottle of wine, definitely stick your nose in the glass. Smelling wine outside of just seeing it being poured is the strongest sense of whether or not that glass that you're about to enjoy is going to be enjoyable or not. So stick your nose in the glass of wine, then twirl it around. Let some oxygen get in there and play around and get married with that liquid. Then put it back up to your nose. What does it smell like? You have some good tropical fruit flavors. You have some dark fruit flavors. You have any oak influence. You have any herbal flavors like sage or lemongrass. That will tell you whether or not that's going to be a great glass of wine from that bottle. If you're smelling something that smells like wet basement or wet cardboard that's been left out for days... That may not be a great glass of wine. So smelling wine is a real thing. That is an absolute real thing. It is the way that you can first tell that the culmination of science and art is going to be good or bad. So next time that you enjoy a glass of wine, be it from a twist-off bottle, a corked bottle, or a canned wine, put your nose in that glass. Put your nose in that can. See what you think. Let your nose be the guide. If you like the way it smells and you like the way it tastes, chances are you've got a great glass of wine in front of you. If not, send it back. Don't feel like you're a snob. You know your wine. So, thank you, Bayard. I I need to uncork a bottle right now so I can um, practice. I'll I'll be back in a few minutes. Uh, I'm going to practice with that. (laughs) Well, cheers Uh, to that. Yeah, (laughs) cheers. 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 All right, so the other, the, the first two topics dovetail nicely. This one kind of stands alone. Um, 
It does because yeah. I want to talk about fear and danger and and how scent relates to fear and danger in these books and probably in life because that's how we roll here. And I don't think it's any surprise that this is what we came up with the most references to in the book because fear and danger and scent are just there all over all over these books. <clears throat> and one of the things that I took notice of was uh, when Diana was talking about uh, an episode when she was little, when she was recalling her mother and her, her dad was away and she was with her mother and her mother got transfixed by a bowl of water. And then <laughs> I, I don't know, creatures started, started, um, coming out and, and, and one touched her and then her mother freaked out. And then there was a, there was a fire. Was there not? Yeah. yeah. Yes. Or there was, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Smell of singed. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then it, it, it cuts to when her father came home, she and her mother were huddled in her parents' bed and the house smelled of singed feathers. <laughs> and Diana said she never felt safe in the dining room again. And I was, I was thinking about how, how that must have impacted Diana, um, given that her parents died and, and the powers that she felt inside her, how, how much that must have made her want to push those powers or try to keep them inside her, keep them from getting out because she knew that things like this could happen. And, and it was such a terrifying uh, moment from her childhood. And, and she, she associated that smell with, with that terrifying moment. And, and I just thought about what a sort of what a pivotal moment that that must have been for such a young girl. Yeah. Oh. Well, I think, yeah, I mean, because her mother was, you know, who is her protector, one of her protectors, was the person who actually became the problem potentially, right? So mm -hmm. that sort yeah. of rocks your your the center of your universe. You know, and what I what I hate about that and and I'm maybe drawing this out too far, but that she could never felt feel safe in the dining room again. Whereas mm -hmm. I associate the dining room with the pre previous category, right? Think Absolutely. of all like family gathering, the sense of meals, um, you know, holidays, the, the reasons that a dining room exists and to not feel safe in it makes me really sad for her. Yeah. She, she had a tough childhood on a lot of levels. <laughs> Cause right mm -hmm. now I'm just like smelling candied yams and like, turkey and i'm oh like yes um, how close are we like i'm like <laughs> that's, that's what i think when i think dining room and to not feel safe in there like i like i always knew she had a traumatic childhood but to like to start to categorize it by rooms you don't feel safe in and then to think of what those rooms mean to you as a reader mm -hmm. when you're reading it and go gosh i can't imagine being a child and not wanting to go in that room because of this but that room specifically brings up a lot of sensory moments Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I never thought about that. But yeah, you know, it's it's like the kitchen is the gathering place for the home, right? Everybody gathers in the kitchen and and somebody's cooking and other people are talking and, and munching and <clears throat> and to have that not be a part of your childhood, that is, like you said, very sad. Yeah. What one of the other things that I was I was thinking about was um how scent is used to warn the characters in the book. Mm -hmm. So th there were two instances that, that uh, I noted. Once was when Sarah told her that her mother taught her how to spot the signs of witch fire 
for her own protection. And this was when Diana had called Witchfire in the kitchen. And um, they asked they asked Sarah how she knew uh, that, that that's what Diana was doing. And she said her mother taught her how to spot the signs of Witchfire for her own protection, the smell of sulfur, the way a, witch, a witch's arms move. And so I, I was just thinking about how that was part of a young witch's training, just like our parents teach us how to look both ways before we cross the street. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh my God. Witches teach their children how to watch out for witch fire. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry when you say it like that. Well, yes, that's one. That's that's a key life moment right there. That's a good lesson. Because you can't, I, I think they go on to say that you can't use witchcraft against witchfire. There's no, there's nothing you can do. There's nothing you can do that, that if we're, if we're doing this rock, paper, scissors, there's nothing that beats witchfire. You're done if oh, another witch uses witchfire on you. So, you know, that was, that was an important lesson to learn. And then in, in a different creature family, the vampires, there was a passage about how Matthew taught Marcus to hunt um, after he had made him a vampire and they were, I, I think in a cave and, and they spent some time there while Marcus got accustomed to being a vampire. And it says that uh, Matthew taught Marcus how to smell the air. And I thought that was, that was really interesting because as we've already talked about, that's such an essential piece of, of a vampire that that sense of smell and, how that must have been really sort of overwhelming for Marcus as he's sort of coming to grips with who and what he is now. And then having to, you know, smell all the things around him and try to sort through what all of those, what all the, what all of those things are that he's smelling. Yeah. Well, and I also think that in that, with that sort of hunting idea too, is it's, it's what's clear is, I mean, they have to get to the final point where they actually drink the blood to survive. But it's pretty clear that what's really it's it's the hunting and the staging of it and the and the all of the sort of precursor that's actually sort of essential and vital to sort of to um, retaining their sort of hold their grip on on reality. I think and mm-hmm. that and scent plays a big role in that because it's it's the it's the following the prey. It's the following them around. It's sort of you know. Yes, you get to the final moment, but it's it's everything beforehand it's, that's so critical. Um, it's almost like a dance, if you will, and um, mm-hmm. and scent plays such a, a big part in that. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I got lost in there for a second. I thought you were talking about bundling. It sounded um, a lot like bundling. Not yet, Ashley. Not yet. That's another. That's another. Well, you podcast. were talking about everything leading up to the big moment, and I was yes. like, "She's talking about." Bu- oh no, no we're back no, to hunting. Yeah, no, no, we're at, we're out in the field. Blah blah blah. Although slow I will burn, say, Ashley. oh, sorry, slow, slow burn, slow, slower, Ashley, slower. Um, but uh, no, but I will say, I was my mind drifted to a to like a parallel analogy, which is when people are talking about singles out dating in the world, right? Sometimes there are those where the chase is part of the appeal. And then once you've Mm -hmm. actually (laughs) conquered the beast, so to speak, it's like, well, that wasn't as appealing as like the hunt to get you. Yeah, right. You know, there is a certain species that exists like that too. So as you start describing, I'm like, are you describing a single man? Yeah, (laughs) yes. Or or female. I don't want to, I don't want to typecast however it seems to be a male thing yeah 
Right. Well, my ex-husband did tell me one time that he, he believed he liked the chase more than the actual relationship. Unfortunately, yep. he told me this after we were married. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is why he is now my ex-husband. Yeah. But, you know, yes. Right. So. <laughs> Information I could have used beforehand. Yeah. Thanks for sharing yeah. now. Right. right. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> He's not getting our wine foley book, just so I'm clear. He's not. Um I think it's I'm not sure if it goes in here per se, but I do think it relates because you know, they talk about all the vampires can smell um Diana's uh, adrenaline and so smelling that fe- oh, fear yeah. and, and that sense of, of danger and how she smells like an electrical storm when she's using her magic. Um but it's a way to to initially judge people. It's sort of a it's a it's sort of a silent way of sort of gauging what's going on, um, and of course, the better you you are at that, the better of advantage you have in sort of any situation, mm-hmm. right? Um, if you can, if you can smell adrenaline, then you already know more about what's going on in a moment than the, uh, some other people who are just like, "Whoa, I'm feeling a little agitated," <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, so um, I think that I think that's interesting, and I think you know, Isabeau, um who smells like sarsaparilla soda and caramel, but she doesn't like the way witches smell, which, you know, seems like a super general statement, but, um, uh, we all know, you know, why she doesn't like the way witches Mm. smell as a group, Mm -hmm. but it's just interesting that to her, they have a smell. Um, yeah. So she's, she can, she can suss them out if you will, before, um, and she, anybody else realizes anything anyway. How did she say Diana smelled like disgustingly green or fresh or something like that? Yeah. I can't remember. I don't remember, but yeah. But Isabeau is so dismissive of just about everybody anyway. So, I mean. But, you know, I like that because it's not as if her, like she's smelling her as like, wait, I smell her as something like fresh and, you know, something that smells earthy, right? Or something that smells like floral. And Isabeau's like, no, she smells like cow dung. She's saying yeah. the same words, right? But the smell to her has a different feeling and a different meaning. And right. she reacts to it differently. So the actual words to describe the scent may be the same for everyone. But the way that she's reacting to it is different, which I think is true in real life. Like, you know, think about people's perfumes. They're like, isn't this am- I love it. And you're like, oh, God, I can't be in a car with you. Yeah. It doesn't smell mm-hmm. that way to me at all. You know, what you find appealing is repulsive to me or I, it makes me break out in hives. <laughs> like actually break out in hives. Right. So yeah. it's it's interesting that you know, you're almost waiting for her to be like, "Oh, she smells horrible." and name something that you can relate to as being uh, an off-putting smell. But really, she named something that's like, "Well, that wouldn't be off-putting, but I'm not a vampire." So it smells differently to me. Right. Yeah. No, I would quite like to be described as smelling like sarsaparilla soda and caramel. Agree. I would be okay with that. Yeah. I, in my brain, I'm like conjuring up Harry Potter butterbeer. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I'll have a strong mug of that. That's right. Well, let's get to the attraction. <laughs> uh, Slow yeah. burn, Janet. Slow burn. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I want to start off by saying this, that Terry C., responded to our call out our social media call out about this episode and she responded on my instagram page and she said that she creates fragrances you're gonna like this ashley 
essential oils, mm, body yes. oils, and the likes. And scent plays a huge role in that. She likes that vampires in a, in a discovery of witches have a distinct personal scent, and that intensity signals emotion. I wouldn't mind creating a line of scents for this, like Eau de Claremont. Gallo Glass would need just a bare hint of Heather in his for sure. And I put this comment in Attraction and Scent because it had Gallo Glass, and, well, yes. he's my favorite. Yes, yes. Ugh. And I just I just want to tell Terry C., if you're listening, and if you do create a Gallo Glass scent, you hit me up, girl. Yeah, Because right. I am going to be all over that. Oh, yeah. Terry C., you are our people. I want to smell this. I love that you want to create um, a line that's specific to this. I say go forth. Yes. And yes. we shall be your first testers and buyers. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. So I, I, I think we can all agree that scent plays a major, major role in attraction. Because just as we've talked about how we've smelled our mothers and our grandmothers and, you know, we've snuggled on them. I got to tell you, it, <laughs> I, there is a place on my man's collarbone and diana actually talks about this she she tells matthew that that's where he's he has the nicest smell my guy has that place on his collarbone and mm. i just i like to nuzzle up to it because it's the essence of him mm-hmm. and i just i find that so incredibly attractive and and i love that they pointed that out diana pointed out in the book that deborah wrote about it because you know it's it's not necessarily it, it is sexy. It's also just very sensual. And it, it's not, you know, it, it's not explicit. It's just, it's sensual. And it's something that we all understand. When we read that, we go, oh, yeah, I, kn- I know. I know what yeah. she's talking about. And I, I think it just helps us fall in love with these characters even more because we, we identify with them so, so well. Yeah. And we, oh, I agree. Yeah. It adds a dimension to it. You know what I mean? Like it just adds another dimension. Like, you know, even as you're describing, not that I'm like <laughs> crawling up in your personal life with you and Drew as you're smelling his collarbone, but it added dimension to it. Like I, I, cause I'm going to my own special place in my head of like, oh my God, yes, you're right. And his is over here. But I feel like it makes them almost pop out of the page even more. And mm-hmm. everything that is described makes things pop out of the page. But there is something about finding – it's not even like, here's how you smell. It's like, here's a particular place where I find that to be the epicenter of it that is just like, oh, now, I'm, now I've am now i got my face nuzzled up in Matthew's collarbone. Thank you very kindly. <laughs> because before I was just kind of standing on the outside smelling him. But now I know particularly where he smells like that. And it just gives him more dimension. Mm-hmm. So, so somebody wants to talk about cinnamon and cloves. I know you do. You know, I'm so glad. <laughs> Sorry, I had to take a personal moment. Uh-huh. It's all right. We'll just talk amongst ourselves, Ashley, until you're ready. Yeah. Perfect. I love that you um, that we organized this episode the way that we did and put this at the end because I was fearful if we started with it at the beginning, we would I we would have never come off of it and you all would have had to shut me up because I think this is the all of it is powerful but when you start talking about attraction and scent when I think about these books and I think about Matthew all I can think about is all the cloves and cinnamon and the chilly fall smells of Matthew mm-hmm. because fall is my favorite time of year mm-hmm. I associate it with crisper air there's very distinct smells 
Um, you know, there's just, there's just a different, you see the leaves change colors. There's just a crackling to the air and there is a smell that comes with it to me. And it's not because, you know, pumpkin spice just infects all of us everywhere. It's because it just, the air smells like it. And then you just start burning and diffusing and doing whatever and cooking and all the smells that smell like cinnamon and cloves and apple and spice, everything just very spicy and spice in that way is like my most favorite scent because I associate it with fall and how much I love that time of year and what it does for me. So to have an entire book dedicated to having the main character and all they want to talk about is how he smells like cinnamon and cloves. I was like, did you write this for me? You wrote this for me. (laughs) You wrote this for me. Oh, I mean, she wrote it for all of us, but specifically the man could have smelled like anything, but she made him smell like cinnamon and cloves. And I... Ooh, that part sticks with me the longest. When I describe this book to people, they're like, tell me about it. And I go on and then I'm like, and the main character drinks a lot of wine and he smells like cinnamon and cloves all the time. And they're like, well, now I know why you like it. <laughs> well, it's interesting because I would like to ask Deb what made her choose the, the different scents that she mm-hmm. chose for each of these characters. Because just having, you know, she has a theory. There's, it, it wasn't ra- oh, it, sure. it wasn't random and um, and I would be interested to hear that because uh, of of what they evoke and what she was what she was hoping they would evoke um, for for readers. I would too. All I could think in my head was that vampires are just supposed to their body temperature is cooler, right? She keeps talking about touching his cool skin. So mm-hmm. in my brain, I just filled in the blanks and I you're right. I would love to ask her that. Yeah. Because my brain filled in the blanks the <laughs> filled in the blanks as he's chillier and for chillier instead of it being like cold as ice and a negative sentiment what is a positive thing that comes with cooler air and to me that's the smell of cinnamon and cloves in fall i think that's a good i think that's a good point it's sort of one off um it's an off it offsets the other you know the cool cool with the warmer kind of concept yeah and you know she didn't she didn't just say he smells like cinnamon and cloves Cinnamon and cloves, sometimes I think you smell of carnations, not the kind in the florist shops, but the old-fashioned ones that grow in English cottage gardens. Clove pinks, Matthew said. And the specificity of it. Ooh, I said that word. I'm so excited. But <laughs> <laughs> it's not just a pumpkin spice latte, right? I mean, it's it's all these things. And, and she builds these layers. And with each word that you read, it's a different layer. And, and you start to really get this you start to be able to smell this when you read it because the description is so, so clear. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. No, I think it's true. And when you, uh, when you, when you say his, his, his eyes were crinkling, cr- crinkling mm. at the corners in amusement, just, just so I'm clear, we're all picturing Matthew. Good's oh dear God. Oh, right. Yeah. 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 Like super oh, yeah. serious close up. Yeah. Right. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> yeah. Okay, good. Just checking. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's a thing. Anyway. Yeah, but Diana has a smell. What does Diana smell like? Oh, I'm I'm gonna try to read. It. But I want to tell you, I have I have spent some time just lingering over this in the past week, and I just I love this passage. Diana smells of willow sap and chamomile that's been crushed underfoot. There's honeysuckle and fallen oak leaves too, along with witch hazel blooming in the first narcissus of spring, and ancient things: hoarhound, frankincense, lady's mantle. 
since I thought I had long forgotten. Uh, Right? (laughs) And it's, and again, it's just, it's layers and layers and it's not just, you smell like a, you smell like a yellow rose. Yeah, I know. I know. That's what's so great about it. Yep. And to, to your point earlier, I, they've, there's a real juxtaposition between their smells, right? His is cool. The, the, the cool smells of, of fall and hers is, is so earthy and, and warmer, I guess. And, and they just, they balance each other so well. I don't even know what chamomile crushed underfoot smells like really, but I think I do after I read this. Yeah. <laughs> but I know it smells nice. Yes. You know, and yeah, this the same for ladies' mantle. No clue what that is, nope. but I'm assuming a positive thing. Yeah, no, and I just the the sense I thought I had long forgotten. I just thought that was so wistful, uh, because think think of all the things that he smelled in his life, and and like you pointed out earlier, Janet, he says he thinks he remembers everything he's ever smelled. Of all those things he's ever smelled, maybe things he thought he would never smell again. They're there in front of him, and they're in her. Yeah, and I love. Yes, I agree. Now we should all go to bed. Well, yes. <laughs> or to our iTunes reviews. <laughs> <laughs> or that. Right. Or that. <clears throat> Which is an equally dreamy place because in those iTunes reviews, we found some very nice love notes from you all. And um, I just wanted to say thank you. So we got one from Susie N fifty three, who um, is also an Outlander fan, as it turns out. Which, by the way, I just want to say, I know we don't talk about Outlander again after the first, but is another book series that has a wonderful, uh, you know, description of smell throughout all of it. If if that is something that appeals to you, that would appeal to you. Mm-hmm. Um, so she says. Because I have been an avid Outlander fan for years, I follow a few podcasts. Through one, I heard of the All Souls trilogy. I immediately devoured the books and wanted to hear more, so I searched out podcasts for the book series. I had found a couple, and the best has been Demons Discuss. Hey, just a side note, we agree. We Yay, Yay, Demons! Yay, Demons! We had a chance to hang out and have some drinks with um, our demon pals in Philly, and they are just as fabulous as you think they are. Anyways, I continue. Uh, Until I heard Nikki as a guest on that podcast. Yay, Nikki. Now I have two podcasts to listen to, and both are funny, intelligent, and full of info and insight. Any Outlander fan will love the series and podcast. Oh, and there's a TV series based on the books coming out later this year. Thank you, Susie. Thank you. I love that you discovered us through Demons Discuss. We also got um, a really nice one from Lynn, um, who is in California, about our fathers and mothers tributes that we did um, over the summer. She says, I really enjoyed your podcast for these themes. I finally figured out how to listen by Bluetooth in my car on my long commutes. I know. I know. I get to enjoy your podcast Your podcast from now on. Your insights are so spot on. Can't wait to meet you in Philly. XO Lynn. XO right back at you. Uh, and no shame in just figuring out how to listen to podcasts on your commute. I'm just excited that you've figured it out. And now you can take us with you. Well, and now that you know, Lynn, maybe you could come on and do a tutorial so that everybody can figure it out because I need some help too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right, ladies. Any final thoughts? Well, I just wanted to say one, two, two things. One was um, that t- I think um, 
scent is a potentially safer way of starting to get to know somebody. And, you know, it's sort of your initial, because you're not touching. I think once you touch, that's you've, it's another layer of um, potential vulnerability. So I, I think that's just Ooh. interesting to think about. Mm-hmm. And I also think we should remember Matthew puts his scent all over Diana to mark her as his. <laughs> And I think my cat does that to me. Well, I'm just saying, you know, it's it's literally a way of his showing, it's a way of him wanting to protect her so that as soon as other vampires smell, they'll know, okay, hands off or I'm going to be in big trouble. But it's also, um, so it comes from a sense of... Um, of love, but, but it also, you know, marking anything is also a way of possession and, you know, it's got an up and a downside, but I just think it's, it's, I wanted to mention that, you know, it's something that's where scent plays a key role is, you know, everybody notices it. Isabeau's like, Oh my God, she, her, his scent's all over her, you know, et cetera, mm-hmm, et cetera. Yeah. So that's a final point for me. Ashley, what do you got girl? Oh, nothing as good as that. I'm just sort of, you're dreaming, aren't you? I'm still sorry. I'm over here sniffing uh, cinnamon and cloves, but I'm thinking about Janet. What a really strong way to end this. I'm gonna go to bed thinking about this. But you're right. Scent is like this is the guardrail, right? That we put up in getting to know someone. It's like you're right. Personal touch, physical touch takes it to a whole new mm-hmm. level. But scent keeps it still at the like I'm getting to know you. It's the safe space right here. And once we've touched. Once you've even like shaken a hand, a hug or anything more intimate, then it takes it to a different level. But when you're just in an environment where you can co-smell someone, that does keep it like in a safe zone. I'd never thought about that. So I'm going to leave with Janet's final thought because it smells good. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just going to say I've been doing interviews at work and have some in the next couple of weeks as well. So I I think I'm going to stop shaking hands and just start smelling the candidates. Right. So this has actually been very helpful for me. Do do let us know how that goes. <laughs> I will. I will. Um, I, I may call you from um from the office where I'm being written up on harassment charges. Yes. But right. I'm, yeah. We've <laughs> always promised you that we will be very strong character witnesses, whatever you get into. So if you start sniffing people like the Secret Life of Pets to interview them, we will still verify that we know you and we we back. We back. That's you. right. It's research. We said we're always doing research. Always so. on, people. Yes. Always on. Right. All right. So that's my final thought. So with that, thanks for spending some of your valuable time with us as we discussed all things, all souls. We hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. And then if you feel inspired, you'll leave a review on Apple Podcast. If you'd like to join in the conversation, find us on Twitter and Instagram at AllSoulsWW, on Facebook at All Souls Witchy Women Podcast and Blog, and online at AllSoulsWitchyWomen.com. See you soon.